Thank you, Jenny. Really love your poems. Um, not only are they succinct and clever, but they're also life-giving, and they bring truth to us. I just so appreciate them. Thank you. Gosh, <clears throat> how can I follow that up? A dance and a palm? Well, I want to follow it up by, by asking some questions, or some how-can-it-be questions. How can it be that the creator of the universe, a universe so vast that to try and gauge its size, we speak in terms of how far, how fast light, or how far light travels in a second, which is 300,000 kilometers, and some of the galaxies are millions of light years away. It's so vast. How can it be that this creator came to this tiny, infinitesimal part of the universe and lived here for 33 years? How can it be that this same creator God who says to man, for as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, how can it be that he came to earth to subject himself to many things at the hands of lowly humans? How can it be that in subjecting himself to the humans, he allows them to abuse him, spit on him, scourge his body to a pulp, drag a cross across town and up a hill, have nails smashed through his hands and feet, and allows the rest of his life remaining in him to be leached out via what is considered to be probably the most cruel method of execution ever practiced, for it deliberately delayed death until maximum torture and suffering had been inflicted. How can it be? How can it be that he willingly endured all this? He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. How can it be, as Jenny's poem just, just spoken of, of the people at the time, that in Jesus they saw the great hope of Israel, so charismatic, so loving, with unbelievable abilities to heal people, actually raise them from the dead? who spoke fearlessly to the Pharisees about their issues, that the people said in lament, as it says in the Bible, we were hoping, we were so hoping he was the one who would redeem Israel. This man was a prophet, powerful in speech, in action before God and all the people. Our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death, and they crucified him. We were so expectant, so excited, and it's all come to nothing. How can it be that the God who is the owner of everything, everything under heaven belongs to me, uh, who in so creating it all and set out rules and guidelines for how we should best find satisfaction and live well within this opportunity that he's given us in creating us and how to find best meaning in this world, how can it be that he would go to so much trouble to reestablish the relationship with his created people when they decided that they would go, have no regard for him or his ways, they will use and abuse the resources for their own interest, happily defiant and self-serving. That someone like Keith Green would sing the song, so many laughing at Jesus, while the funniest thing that he's done is love this poor, stubborn, rebellious world 
while their hate for him just goes on. How can it be? There's only one way that it can be, and that is the love of the almighty God, the creator. We read in the Bible that man was the pinnacle of God's creation. It says we're made in his image. What does that mean? He was a pure, he is a holy, pure God of integrity, perfect, without flaw, utterly pure. His design, his intention is that we would be the same. He gave instructions and laws that if we would keep them, we would stay in close relationship with him, enjoy the fruits and the benefits of a wonderful God. His purpose was that we would love him, find joy and fulfillment in him. But we wouldn't. The whole Bible, in one sense, can be considered a dialogue between God and man. God again and again reaching out to him, reminding him of how to live, warning against the destructiveness of his behavior, the misery and the hatred that it causes, exhorting us to live according to the instructions that he, the creator, set out. But we wouldn't. He wanted us to choose to follow him. We chose to do our own thing. Doing our own thing, of course, is what is given, to which the term, the word sin is given. Definition of a sin is doing what is wrong or not doing what is right according to God's rules. If God says, do not lie, and we lie, we've sinned. Do not steal, steal, we've sinned. And according to God, this separates us from him. The reality is that all have sinned and have separated them from God. No one has lived as he desired except for Jesus. And the Bible states that the wages or the outcome of sin is death. And what does death mean? Eternal separation from God. And if this sounds a wee bit over the top, it is really important to grasp how totally offensive to God, how totally offensive to God that sin is. How offensive is it to him? Go back to what I said about what happened to Jesus, and, and it shows that God hates it with a passion. We get some idea of it there. But all of God's created people had no future with him. Their future was without him eternally. So how could the dilemma be resolved? Well, God had to resolve it himself. He became human, coming as a child. Jesus was born, and he lived here for those 33 years, and he managed to do it, and he did it totally without sin, which wasn't easy. He suffered in many, many ways. He had daily abuse and ridicule and considerable hostility. But the overriding thing in amongst how he lived was that he actually continued to enjoy the close relationship with God the Father, which was the most important focus of his life and was actually the basis of him being able to deal with anything that he encountered. His sinless life enabled him to act as our substitute. The man, totally without sin, was punished for those who had. Essentially, God was satisfied that the only sinless person who lived and who willingly accepted the punishment of death on behalf of all mankind enabled the opportunity for all the sinners to again have a relationship with God. The person who comes to know and believe in Christ has had the revelation 
that only Christ can restore his or her relationship with God. They see that they've been living sinfully, and they see that it's offensive to God. And he or she sees that he is deserving of the punishment and recognizes that Jesus did it in his place. One person put it like this, I'm wholly deserving of all the consequences that I will in fact never receive simply because God unashamedly stepped in front of me on the cross, unflinchingly spread his arms so as to completely shield me from the retribution that was mine to bear, and repeatedly took the blows. And I stand entirely unwounded, utterly lost in the fact that while his body was pummeled and bloodied to death by that which was meant for me, I have not a scratch. The new believer acknowledges his sin, confesses it, and repents of it. And to repent is to turn around and go in, an, in another direction. That is, he commits his life, the rest of his earthly life, to living for God. And that's a big thing. Coming to God isn't to be taken lightly because it involves a total change of lifestyle, purpose, and direction. It isn't always easy, but it is rewarding because you have that close relationship with God again. So if you're here today wondering what this Good Friday, Easter Sunday stuff is all about, this is the love that God has for you, and he wants you to know him. And if any of you want to talk about that further after the service, either I or one of the elders would just love to chat with you about the God who loves you. So we celebrate Good Friday in reflective gratitude and worship, realizing how much God loves us, shown by the amazing things he has done for us. We reflect also on the punishment that Jesus willingly took on our behalf. It was horrific. I finally saw the movie The Passion of the Christ last year and watched the barbaric way that God was that Jesus was treated. Excuse me. Pages are stuck. That his flesh was ripped asunder. They the pack mentality of the Roman soldiers like hyenas around the wounded animal. It's said that um, we wouldn't be able to stay at a crucifixion site for very long. We simply could not stand it. We couldn't stomach it. Good Friday is a dark day. It was the day that God dealt with evil once and for all. But it is also the day of triumph. Jesus, so near death, was able to say, it is finished. The job is done. My agony is all but over. He died. There was a severe earthquake. Graves and tombs opened. I'm not wholly sure what that means. But one other thing that happened on that dark, depressing, hope-killing, cruel day, at the same point of Jesus' death, was the thing that us Christians exalt, worship, and adore the 10-meter-thick curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. God was directly available to us again. For those of us who believe, it was an absolutely glorious moment. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed.
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to, its own way, to our own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let us pray. Lord, we do especially reflect on your suffering today, knowing that it was what we deserve. We recognize as best we can the horror, the cruelty, the contempt with which you were treated by those who really treated you as scum. We cannot imagine the pain you endured for all those hours until you died. And in this again, we see how repulsive sin is to you, but we also see your utter commitment to us. And we also see your love that is so wide and so long and so high and so deep. Amen. Wonderful God. Pass it over to you. Hi everyone. Um, my name's Sam. Thank you for having me here today. I'm going to share with you a song that I've written. Um, it's centered on Jesus and it's called Blood. Um, but I would say that it's less about his actual death and more about how Jesus is the ultimate example of laying down ourselves, laying down our lives for others, and how the song, the song is about how the story of Jesus and his vulnerability and his giving of himself um, is an example of how we should treat the other, the outsider, um, and that is what the song's about. Thank you. My days are measured on my hand My ears they stretch a tiny span And life is just a breath I slowly breathe it out from lungs The long to know the songs I've sung Were worth it in the end I'm slowly bleeding out and I just want to bleed the words of life and pour them out for man. silence youth but still I'll find a voice to use even if it's weak and in the dark 
I feel the light in everything Feel it in the words I sing And when I kiss my sons to sleep I'll follow Jesus I'll follow love I'll follow goodness In the blood I'll feel the light I'll bleed the love I'll follow goodness in the blood in the blood in the blood in the feel the light I'll bleed the love I'll follow goodness in the blood I'll follow Jesus I'll follow love I'll follow goodness in the blood I'll follow Jesus I'll follow love I'll follow goodness in the blood, in the blood, in the blood, in the blood. Let every beat and breath. Follow goodness in the blood. 